Namai Hare Mai, welcome to the More Than Theology podcast. I'm Rosie Devery, I'm the School of Worship Leading Coordinator here at Pathways Bible College and I am privileged to be joined by Grant Norsworthy today uh, down in Nelson, um, South Island. Beautiful to have you here with us, Grant. Thanks so much wow. for your time. Thank you, Rosie. It's great to be here. Awesome. You said it's the More Than Theology podcast. Yeah, yeah, More Than Theology. Oh, I like that name. <laughs> I guess because Pathways is so big on, we want to, learn and equip people with theology but more than theology you know the life l applied theology living it out practically useful <laughs> in useful ways like um it. cool i'm glad you like it <laughs> um so we're going to talk a bit about worship but but first i'd love to um hear a bit about your journey grant it's uh the words pro muso roller coaster uh oh. on your website through the the christian contemporary christian music scene and um uh, I'd just love to hear a bit about how you came through that and into, I guess, your role now of helping equip um, worship teams around the globe. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, what you do and, and how you got there? Absolutely. Gosh. Um, so I, probably, probably, uh, probably one of the ideas behind me liking your more than theology name is because I call what I do more than music. Oh, of course. More than music mentor. I'm, I'm yeah. sure sort of. Uh, inspired by the same thought that you know we want to we want to point to things beyond theology information mm. about mm. God let's say we want to mm. point to something more than music uh, when it comes to the worship of God so yeah I was born in Melbourne Australia uh, please don't hold that against me uh, a long <laughs> right, time my, ago now. my husband was born in Australia we we've we've I've reconciled to that <laughs> yeah and and Ben and I didn't realize this when we fell in love with our Kiwi future brides but, uh, eventually you live in New Zealand <laughs> I didn't know that when I met Brooke and fell in love with her and you know got around to proposing to her got around yeah. to her way of putting it but <laughs> But anyway, uh, so yeah, my story to bring me to wanting to do this more than music mentor, which is providing online and on-site training for the heart and the art of worshipping musicians. That's mm. what I do. That's what I love doing. And, mm. uh, you know, I was raised in the in the Christian church. Um, my family were, you know, regular church attenders and prayers and, you know, we were pointed in that direction. And I'm old enough to remember um, what used to be called the worship wars, mm. quote unquote. I'll do the rabbit ears for the video people. Like, like the worship wars were this thing where there was this transition from mainly keyboard-driven choir hymns, like a big thick book mm. in the back of a pew in front of you and a, a wooden board on the back wall that had some numbers in it and that told you what hymns were going to be sung. Mm. And then and then I I heard this other sort of music being used in the church. It had drum kits and bass guitars electric guitars keyboards and a very different approach to music and a lot of people really resonated with that i did i i was excited about that sort of music mm. uh, rather than what seemed to be my parents music but a lot of people were kind of freaked out by it as well and there was a lot of tension and that, that period was the, the worship wars and i sort of was an observer to that and part mm. of it in some ways but um came out of sort of high school wanting to be a pro musician. You know, I, I was playing bass guitar and I just loved music so much that I wanted to do that for my job. And my mm. parents were heartbroken about that. They thought that was horrible, horrible idea. Wow. Um, yes. So I was a follower of Jesus. You know, I'd made a commitment to be a follower, but the only way I sort of be a pro musician was to play in bars and clubs. 
you know, playing bass guitar and mm. actually formed the band with a bunch of Christian buddies mm. um, who over the, over the next year or two sort of all, all fell away, leaving me as the last man standing. Mm. And um, I, was, I was replacing them with other band members um, and still playing in bars and clubs, you know, three, four nights a week, you know, mm. getting home at 4 a.m., stuff like that, opening my bass guitar to play on a Sunday morning and it stinks like stale cigarette smoke. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. getting weird looks. Yeah. Um, but you know, and that's not a path I would I would suggest for everybody. You know, um, mm. I I don't have the story of you know drinking, drug taking, womanizing. So sort of. that wasn't my deal. I was always serious about my faith in Jesus. And mm. there was a couple of other guys who were doing the same sort of thing. A guy named Paul Coleman and a guy named Phil Gordian. All three of us following Jesus and uh, and and wanting to be pros. So we were playing bars and clubs around Melbourne and Victoria. We formed a band in 1998. It's a long time ago. Nice. Called the Paul Coleman Trio, PC3 for short. Love it. And uh, put out a bunch of albums. And all of our songs were trying to point people towards God. Mm. Uh, but trying to do it in a sort of a way that wasn't Christian-y, mm. if I can use that word. Uh, and we wanted to... Make, mu make music that connected with everybody. And Paul, um, our lead singer, main songwriter, incredible communicator, incredible songwriter. Anyway, on the strength of that and doing some independently released records, we managed to launch over to America in 2002. Mm -hmm. And um, we'd managed to get the support of a record label over there and professional management and stuff like that. And, and now we were sort of being more guided towards being a Christian band because in America you can make a living just playing for Christian audiences, mm. allowing yourself more closely with the Christian church. And we didn't, I don't know how intentional we were, but we sort of let that happen. Anyway, we put out two records in America and uh, then that the band broke up. I hope this isn't too long-winded. Are you okay? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's fascinating. But, but here's, here's the thing, like the Paul Coleman trio, we were trying to show how worth it God is or how worthy God is or mm. how valuable Jesus is, how valuable the cross of Christ is. Mm. But we were primarily not asking people to sing along. We were, we were performing songs and recording songs for people to listen to. Mm -hmm. And that's a, an important distinction. Mm. Now, 2001, 2002, these, this, this worship war thing that I grew up experiencing, I guess, through the 80s and 90s, now I'm I'm hearing the word worship used quite differently by people like record labels and managers of mm. bands. They're saying, Hey guys, worship's what's hot right now. So your next album should be a worship album. Mm. <laughs> and we're on the Paul commentary going, what does he, what does he mean by that? Is this an American thing? <laughs> oh, he means songs that a congregation can sing and you put the words on the screen and they're probably prayer lyrics. Mm. So, and we actually toured a lot with Third Day, you know, a band that oh, awesome. they first, they, yeah, we did a, a whole year of touring opening to Third Day. Mm. And um, yeah, uh, they are a band who embraced that change. We were on the same record label and they put out a record that was their worship album, quote unquote. Mm. And now they were able to get the, cr the crowd singing every word of this prayer direct to God. Mm. Um, and so I was like, oh, right, I see. So instead of saying, hey, audience listen to this thought about god or listen to this story that, that hopefully shows how worthy god is now it was have the people sing their own prayer to god to show how worthy god is mm. and that that sort of fascinated me anyway when the paul commentary i broke up and i i brooke and i 
wanted to stay in Nashville, Tennessee, where we were living. And I still wanted to be involved in music professionally, playing bass guitar. So I got asked to join a band called Sonic Flood. Mm. And Sonic Flood were like the one of the poster bands of this new worship movement. In fact, if you look at the press releases from that time when 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 Sonic Flood came out, they were the forefathers of the modern worship revival. Wow. And so it was like, oh, now I'm in this band that almost all the song lyrics are prayers to God. And now they're actually projecting the lyrics on screen so that the crowd should be singing all of them. But actually uh-huh. the performance style was almost the same. It was uh-huh. loud. It was light shows. It was smoke. It was you know, what I call prancing and stancing and left and right glancing. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of that going on in both the Paul Coleman Trio and Sonic Flood. Yeah. And um, anyway, I, I really enjoyed my time with Sonic Flood. And by, by the way, they were hugely successful before mm-hmm. I joined. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I joined after those two gold albums they put out. But I still really enjoyed being in that band for three years. It taught me a lot. And I, I think I got an idea, a better idea of, you can actually help a group of people have words of a prayer or a declaration of truth come out of their mouths as a congregation or as an audience. And it's actually, there's something possible there that's not possible if you're just asking people to listen to your music. Wow. And there's other things that are possible when you're asking people to listen to your music. Mm. There's other things possible when you ask the congregation to sing mm. their own prayer to God. So, so for me, um, and I think about it this way, you know, if I'm in a cafe and there's music in the background, that's all right, especially if I like the music style, you know. But it's actually better to put my headphones on and listen to music. Right? Mm. That's better. But I find it's actually better to make music for myself. I, like as far as when I say better, it's more enjoyable. It's more fulfilling. It's more connecting. Mm. And I love making music on my own, but I love more than that, making music with an ensemble, with a band, with a group of people. Mm. and even better than that is having a crowd with you you know a congregation and get them to join the band in a sense to yeah. have them sing with you that's even better yeah but beyond that this is what i learned over the years and i can't say it was just sonic flood that taught me this but over the years i've learned that the best thing you can do with music is scoop people up and connect with god through these songs and the best way to do that, I found, is to get us all singing these these prayers to Him. You know that that's I think that's the purpose of music. You know I think God created music so that we would have this way of connecting with Him more deeply. You know mm. it it melts barriers mm. between people and people and between people and God when it's mm. being used the way it's supposed to be used, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I remain a huge fan of musical performance as a way of showing how worthy God is. But I'm also a fan of getting a congregation to sing to show mm. how worthy God is. And I'm saying how worthy God is. That's actually just shorthand for worship. Yeah. Awesome. You know, so I believe we can perform music as an expression of worship, how worthy God is. But we can mm. also lead a congregation to sing together as an expression of worship. And I've just found that there's one set of vocal, instrumental, and technical choices that you will make if you want to perform music mm-hmm. and there's a different bunch of vocal instrumental and technical choices you'll make if you want a congregation to sing their own song as an expression. Mm-hmm. So, and so what I hear you saying is, is yeah. sorry. I was going to say me having a clear distinction in that in my head and through my yeah. life experiences made me go, well, I want to teach people about this. I think it's important. That's why more than music mentor 
is what I do. Yeah, that's awesome. Because there's, so you've got the distinction between uh, music as a performance and music as a, um, I guess, a way to invite participation in worship by singing along. Yeah. So having a, having a distinction between how you're doing each of those things. Um, so do you see, uh, I guess, a problem arises when those things are blurred <laughs> or like, or confused? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, that's that's probably the main thing I'd be I'd say is coming up. Well, maybe not the main thing, but one of the main things coming out of more than music mentor is mm. is this idea of if you want to guide your church congregation to sing this song, do that intentionally. Mm. If you want to have them listen to you, then do that intentionally. Mm. So. Would just say let's not send mixed messages mm-hmm. sing with us but don't so it's, it's and just like an example of that is let's stand together imagine a sunday morning let's stand yeah. together we're going to sing this song here are the words we want you to sing but then and that's this inv- invitation come and sing with mm-hmm. us but then there's four singers on the platform but only one of them starts singing in her key and it's not the right key for half the congregation you mm-hmm. know there's three other singers waiting with their microphone so we're mm. sending these mixed messages of actually it's a performance. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, look, hey, performance is wonderful, um, but don't send a mixed message because my my sense is it, today I see a lot of confusion in that. Congregations are wondering, what's this music stuff for? People on the platform, I think, are confused. Are, we, are, mm. are people listening to me or am I guiding them to sing? Mm. Um, and, and all this, I guess, comes from, you know, there's other probably more profound things I could tell you about that convinced me to do what I do with more than music mental. Like, very quick snapshot: going to Rwanda in Africa mm. and spending time with people who have nothing, mm. and getting a really strong sense that there's an aspect of the character of God I have shielded myself from. Mm. I don't connect with those who are poor in the eyes of the world, yeah. and Matthew 25, Jesus becoming more real and going, wow, I've been singing this song with Sonic Flood, I could sing of your love forever, but actually God wants us to be his love, Mm. especially to the least of these, the people who are hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, lonely, imprisoned. God wants us to show his worth by caring for the poor. Mm, That's awesome. Um, James 1.27 is a Bible verse that says, um, pure and perfect religion in the sight of God is to care for orphans and widows and remain uncorrupted by the world. Mm. And I realized that that little Greek word thraskeia that's translated as religion in James 1 and 27 actually is better understood this way, I think. Pure and perfect worship in the sight of God is to care for orphans and widows in their trouble and remain uncorrupted by the world. Wow. And the, the Christianese world that I lived in had taught me that worship was when you got a chill down your spine and we were playing songs with words about God on the screen. Mm. Now, ironically, my my desire to guide the church to use music more eff- effectively as one of the expressions of worship comes alongside my my belief that the opportunity to worship God is in every moment of every day. Mm. Romans twelve one, of yourself as a living sacrifice. Mm. But also the, the the way God asks us to worship Him most is to be compassionate, to to live life selflessly you know, mm. caring for others. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. So, yeah, I'm passionate to help the church use music 
more effectively as an expression of worship, whether that be performing for people or inviting them to sing along. But I want to do that in a way that inspires us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice mm. and an expression of worship. Yeah, because, I mean, the language that we've come to use around worship, you know, with saying let's stand for worship or, you know, I really enjoyed the worship at church this morning. Uh, yeah. it, it, it adds a lot of confusion to, wait, what is worship? Because, I mean, in the Bible, all through the Old Testament and New Testament, there are some translations which will translate a particular word from the Greek and Hebrew to either service or to worship because they are one and the same idea in a lot of these um, passages where, um, like what you've just said, worship and service are, are, you can't extricate one from the other because the way that we can care for and look after and be compassionate um, is is worship. <laughs> right, and, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the way I keep my marriage vow is a way to show the worth of God. Or yeah. The way I raise my children is a way to show the worth of God, the way we conduct business, the way we speak to people, you know, mm. everything, you know, the way we spend our money, the way we don't spend our money. You know, these are all opportunities to show the worth of God. Yeah. And we've got to, unfortunately, I think we've ended up with a, a, a language or a Christianese language that says, you know, we, we know what you mean when you say worship was really good or worship wasn't good, mm. you know, there might be pastors listening to this and they get text messages and emails, worship was no good this morning, you know, <laughs> after every Sunday, so because the guitar was out of tune, because it was too loud, because I didn't like the songs, because what was it, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and, and we've turned even the worship of God into a commodity that we think we can decide whether we like it or not, mm. you know, and, and I would also suggest that if you say to a team, a typical team of, Singers, instrumentalists, and technicians at any church, anywhere. Mm. You are the worship team. These are worship songs. Worship starts at 10. Will you please lead us in worship? There's actually like seven different meanings in yeah. the heads of that team. Yeah. And three people are like, I have no idea what he means, but I'm going to pretend I do. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I've had, I've had countless <clears throat> conversations like this, you know, like people who would say it's only worship if they're singing in, in a register where they feel like they're able to be passionate. It's only worship if people are raising their hands. It's only worship if I agree with the theology. It's only worship if it refers to, if the song lyrics refer to God in the second person, you, mm. you know, like all these different agendas, you know, mm. I speak to pastors sometimes where, like I was, I was actually in, um, where was I? I probably won't say the place, but I was <laughs> dealing. Yeah. You've got to help me out, Grant, because I've got some people in my congregation who are saying that, when my guy leads worship, it's not worshipful because mm. he's a bit pitchy. He sings a bit off. Mm, wow. And it's like, really, oh, they're talking about a style as opposed to. Yeah, they're talking about an aesthetic or they're talking yeah. about, or maybe it makes it tough for them to sing mm -hmm. and to go to a place that they believe is worshipful. Mm -hmm. And I think I know, you know, that can be a distraction if you want people to be singing together, if, if, the, if the leader's not singing very well. Mm. You know, but it doesn't stop a person from being able to worship God. Mm. You know, it stops them from being able to swim more deeply into this musical expression of worship, perhaps. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that. Mm. But let's not say that that guy's singing made it impossible for you to worship God. Mm. If you think it did, then we've got a very different understanding of what the worship of God is. You know, I'm an yeah. Australian bass player. To me, worship is to show the worth of God. Even before you go back to the Hebrew and the Greek, which I have done, you know, in the Bible, mm. just in the English. You know, the word worship, I think, is is best understood as a verb. 
Mm. And it means worship to show mm. the worth of God. Awesome. And we want to show the worth of God by gathering on Sunday, by praying together, by reading scripture, by singing songs together, by listening to a sermon together, by taking communion together. But that's what we do when when we're gathered in that one room. But let's continue to show the worth of God after we've left the building and after the songs. Mm. That's what I that's the sort of worship of God that I want to try and point towards. Yeah. So you're wanting to blow the lid off, I guess, what we can confine the definition of worship to, um, as well as equipping, you know, like that kind of worship can be, and uh, we're invited to a life of worship, um, but also like being equipped to lead intentional, I guess, gathered moments of corporate worship, Mm. the best that we can to invite and enable participation from our churches. <laughs> so what, yes. what would you, what, what are some of your top tips, I guess, what are some of the, been the most helpful things that churches have been um, enriched by uh, like kind of music, helpful musical practices that you found help empower a congregation to participate? Oh gosh. Um, you probably have to ask them for what they found to be. the. Most <laughs> uh, I'd like to think that, that, um, a real, a real unlocking, uh, unlocking of what a lot of what the problems are in a particular mm. church happens when we agree on what the humanly measurable goal is mm-hmm. what we're doing. So I would say it a bit like this, you know, like a soccer team, they might want to play soccer so they win the World Cup or they want to win the championship. They want to get the big trophy at the end of at the end of the championship, right? Mm-hmm. But all their fitness work, strategizing, skills development, coaching choices, everything they do is so they get a ball in the back of the net better than any other team, mm. right? So I would say, hey, look, let's agree that when we pick up our instruments or microphones or get behind mixing consoles or computers, you know, whatever we're doing here, we want God to be worshipped. We want the worth of God to be shown. That's mm. like the World Cup. But what is our ball in the back of the net goal? Mm-hmm. What is our agreed humanly measurable goal? Because what you don't want is one person saying, wow, that was really worshipful. And someone else going, no, it wasn't. It was heretical. <laughs> you know, that's, mm. just, that's just, and those conversations happen, by mm. the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, so let's go, look, we want it to be worshipful, but we'll leave it to God to measure how worshipful. Um, and we'll recognize that in 2022, when we're speaking today, uh, our Christianese language is using the word worship in, all sorts of ways that actually aren't bringing clarity. Mm. So let's just leave that aside for the moment. We do want the worth of God to be shown, but our ball in the back of the net goal, goal, I believe, should be getting our congregation singing, usually on our Mm. Sunday morning service. Now, sometimes we might have a special item song, right? This is a song we want to have just flow over you or have it create an atmosphere as you're taking communion or or, Mm. whatever. Um, or a song that's going to make a point, but by and large, and let's realize there's scriptural support for this, uh, sing, sing songs together. Mm. Let's sing these prayers to God. And you know, a lot of people don't have prayers come out of their mouths during the week, Mm. even if they are there on Sunday, they don't have truth about God flowing out of their mouths. And the Bible tells us that the the words that come out of our mouths steer our lives like a ship is steered by a rudder, you know, Mm. So this is a good opportunity. We believe it's important and valuable for our congregation to sing these songs together Mm. that are prayers to him and declarations of truth. And once you have agreed that that is the goal, 
once you have that agreed purpose, then a lot of the what and how problems that often show up in church gatherings, how loud should it be? Is this a good song for us to sing? Can I hit the drums as, like I'm in Metallica? Or should I hit, you know, like all those musical, vocal, technical choices get a lot easier to solve mm. if you have that agreed measurable goal. For example, and this is a really contentious issue, song key choice. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> so, so I would say to a team, hey, you, you want to do a particular song? Yeah. Mm. What key do you do it in? Well, if... So if Rosie's leading, it's in that key. But if Grant's leading, it's in that key. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. Um, why wouldn't we choose a key for the congregation rather than for any of our leaders? Well, because they're the lead singer. They've got to feel great. Oh, I see. That's actually a musical performance choice. Mm. If, if Rosie is performing for us, we should choose the song to be in her key so she feels the most comfortable. And, her, and highlights the best register of her, of her voice. But if Grant's leading, like if he's a lead singer of a band, then we should do that for him. But mm. if we're actually trying to get every man, woman, and child in our congregation to sing, we should choose a key for them. Mm. And uh, that usually has me singing way lower than I want to when I'm mm. leading a congregation to sing. Lower than I want to. And I, as I get older, I'm starting to appreciate that, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and that, you know, that's not a one-size-fits-all, but I would just say if you are choosing a key so that you, your lead singer sounds the best and enjoys their vocal performance the most and is mm. trying to be as enthralling to the congregation as possible, just, yeah, okay, I can support you on that, but you have to own this. You're not mm. really trying to get Jack and Jill congregant to sing with you. You mm. are performing for them. Just own that. So, again, and coming back it, to drawing the distinction between are we inviting or are we – are we asking people to right. listen? Let's, yeah. let's do this. If you're going to do this, <laughs> listen to me, then do that. But if yeah, you're going to yeah. say, let's sing together, then let's really do that. Make it easy as possible for people oh, to yeah, join in. Yeah. Yeah, Jack wow. Plummer, he doesn't want to sing really. Mm. You know, you're really going to have to roll out a red carpet to a lot of, especially guys. Mm. Sing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, it, and so, so if, if you have a, got that agreed measurable goal, in the same way that a heavy metal band knows they've done a good job if the crowd's headbanging, mm. in the same way that a dance band knows they've done a good job if the dance floor's full, mm. you know, if the same way that a wedding band knows they've done a good job if the father of the bride and the mother of the bride are happy, you know, <laughs> outward indicators we know we've got to look for. Mm. But one of the problems with music in church gatherings these days is you've got people pulling in every different direction. Yeah. I think it's about me having my own personal expression and connection with God through this song. Well, that's that's a valid goal to shoot for, but it's not going to be the drummer's goal. He thinks he's there to play drums his mm. way, mm-hmm. you know, and the mix engineer is trying to make it just like the CD, you know, like you've got people taking in different directions rather yeah, than wow. let's have one agreed goal. We want to get the congregation to sing and here's the Bible verse to support this. Mm. So let's do that. So when you've got that unity between the musicians and the singers and the and the technicians uh, and your church leaders, um, yeah. I guess you've got a, a far easier way to navigate the musical differences that can can arise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a lot of like I say, a lot of a lot of the choices we might have argued about in the past become almost forehead slapping. I call mm. it. You know, like oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, that would be better. 
Um, and you can buy it, get the congregation to buy into this as well, you know, to mm. make sure they know we prepared some songs in the hope that you will sing them as your prayer to God, as your mm. reminder of truth about God. Mm. We consider this to be a really important thing that we do as a church. Mm. I, you know, I'm, I see a lot of congregations and a lot of even people on platforms with microphones and instruments and behind mixing consoles. They don't really know what the goal is. Mm. Everyone's tugging in different directions. And they know we're supposed to be worshiping God, but there's so many different meanings for that. And they're not really sure what actually needs to be achieved in the room. Mm. Make that happen. Yeah. So what advice would you give a, a team leader or a worship pastor or a worship leader or just a pastor um, to kind of get that ball rolling, to get that journey rolling if they're in that place? Uh, book me to come and do a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, uh, if I, I... I hope this doesn't sound like smarmy or something (laughs) you know what would my advice be to a worship leader Mm. uh let's have a think about your job title for a moment Mm. you know um it's an encounter with god that makes people worship him Mm. you know it's like humanity and divinity intersect and you go you're more worthy than i realized i Mm. want to express that somehow I want to show how worthy you are. Mm. Now, some beautiful, profound, life-transformative things can happen when we're in a room singing together. Mm. But I don't, I don't consider what I do with a guitar and a microphone worship leading. Mm. I consider it leading sung worship, perhaps, I would mm-hmm. say, because I'm trying to remind myself when I speak and those who hear Romans 12, 1, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and let that be your spiritual, reasonable, intelligent act of worship. Mm. Um, so again, bringing clarity around what we mean when we say the word worship in yeah. so many different contexts. Yeah, so increase your intentionality, I guess it'd be my, my big, my big mm. thing. Let's increase our intentionality. What do we mean when we say lead worship or I'm mm. a worship leader and these are worship songs? Mm. it's just yeah i know it's might and i'm not here to correct anybody's word usage i gave up on that about 10 years ago (laughs) i really did honestly in america it's went because i can't find anyone anyone who's a serious follower of jesus who says no worship really is just the singing Mm. no one says that Mm. everyone says yeah i've got that yeah worship is a lifestyle heard it a million times i don't think worship's a lifestyle by the way it's a it's a living death style there's a paradox there. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Yeah. Um, carry your own cross. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. There's there's mm. that other half of this beautiful gift of of forgiveness. It's mm. it's, it's costly mm. to be a worshipper. Um, yeah. So be be more intentional, mm. and I would I would try to get the team to buy into this humanly measurable goal uh, of getting the congregation to sing. Mm-hmm. and start making choices about what you say and how you mix and what you play and the song choices and what key you put them in and your volume levels and everything else that that help achieve that mm-hmm. measurable goal and just see what god does with it when you've got a room full of people singing the same melody and the same prayer to god it's uh, it's, it's glorious, just eh? yeah <laughs> you know and you know, take it take it from me i i if you can take it from me i've spent most of my life professional life trying to 
play music that I thought was cool mm. and trying to convince people that I was right about that. Mm. And I've actually, I actually, I guess, had a little bit of success at doing that. But it's actually more fun to get out of the way and get people to sing their own song towards God. And I don't care, like I do care, but the song doesn't have to be cool to me anymore. Mm. I don't have to be singing it in the way that I like anymore. I don't have to have the band sounding the way I want them to. I found myself going, I want to craft a sound, sound with this band and choose songs and present them in a way that just helps the people sing the song. Awesome. That's what I call the higher joy that's possible for music. Yeah. I, it probably, it's probably convenient that I'm not a very good singer, you know, <laughs> that I'm not a great guitarist. As I might be going, you know, listen to me as an expression. <laughs> yeah. Uh, give me a bass, I'll have a go at that, you know. But uh, yeah, it's the yeah. So I ask people to absorb what I call small musical sadnesses. Mm. Yeah, you want to sing it in that key? I get it. Me too. But let's let's make it a key for Jack and Jill Congregant, mm. and let's absorb that small musical sadness mm. in the hope that there's a higher joy afterwards, which is everybody in the room saying the same prayer to God. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Um, I once heard the the analogy of a of a window frame, um, and obviously a glass window, and that that our song or our form for worship, um, the music, the the yeah the song that we're doing is the window frame. Um, and what we we don't want people to be looking at the window, we want people to be looking through the window um, to God and his worth and his glory um and i really like that analogy because it's like we can fuss over the window frame and we can um you know what we want is for the glass to be crystal clear so that people are seeing through <laughs> through the window to jesus as yeah. opposed to focusing on you know all oh, that there's a little smudge <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. that yeah and, and and i've actually found that 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 glass gets cleaner and clearer if you are singing rather than listening mm. you know I, I think people in congregations are more likely to be complaining about what's happening from the platform you know meeting their ears or what they're seeing or whatever uh, if, if they they're are, unable to unable to sing along, in, sure. you know? but if they're yeah. singing you know I've, I've had a really really wonderful experience at our, our little tiny local community church and I do a lot of traveling um, away from my home in Nelson. Mm. Um, I used to go overseas to do this stuff, but haven't done that yet since COVID. Mm. Um, but I'm very happy going to places like I'm going to um, next week and going to Wanganui for 11 days. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know if anyone's hearing this before, September 3rd. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to be in Wanganui and, and want to just help. I want to help. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, Oh, my pastor of our little tiny community church here in Upper Muthuri, rural little church, 30, 40 people in the congregation. He asked me to form a youth band. And so I did. And we had our second Sunday together just, uh, just yesterday. Cool. And most of the congregation are really elderly people. Mm. Usually music on a Sunday is a, a wonderful sight-reading piano player Mm. choosing a few songs probably immediately before the service I don't know. <laughs> yeah. you know they're they're usually um you know 1970s 1980s sort of uh scripture and song or 
something. You know, I, I don't always know the songs. You know, my my life journey been quite different from that. Mm. But uh, and I I would say that you know the musical expression of worship on a regular Sunday is is not that enthralling. Um, but I sing along, you know, as best I can. Mm. But we formed this this youth band, and we're doing newer songs with you know 15 year old 14 year old you know kids That's two great. guitars bass a cajon three oh, singers, cool. you know, player, and just just trying to remind them that you know look it's, it's we believe as a church that it's important that we get together on a sunday and we sing these songs as, mm. as a way of showing how worthy god is mm. so i'm going to musically direct you guys to, to help them sing mm. and you know and a, a gentleman, Peter, his name is, he grabbed me after the service and he just goes, that's the best thing I can remember wow. in this church, having young people leave me. And I'm like, Peter, were you singing? He goes, yeah, I was singing. Wow. You know, and um, music's this gift to break down barriers, you know? mm. not just between God and people, but people and people. Mm. You know? There were several other elderly people who spoke to me go, this this was great, you know. It's like, yeah, there's peace in the worship wards, you know. Like, <laughs> they they probably love their piano or organ, and you know, the sort of I don't I don't know, but there's something lively and life giving about crafting a sound that's obviously a, a, a sound that's not to satisfy ourselves, but to invite mm. people that don't consider themselves musical <laughs> or singers, yeah. get them to join in. Yeah, there's a lot of fun yeah. doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's it's really cool to hear, Grant. It's really inspiring and hearing a bit of your story and um, just how passionate you are about uh, equipping people with helpful language and helpful tools um, to, yeah, have have times of gathered worship that are enriching and life-giving and yeah. formative and, and God-glorifying. Um, mm. So that's and awesome. Nothing, nothing shapes culture like language mm. nothing indicates what's going on within a culture more than language how mm. are words used what do they mean when people use them you know um and nothing shifts our thinking and the way we live our lives more than the words that come out of our mouths mm. you know we often think i live this life i think my thoughts and words come out as a, as, as the end of the chain but the bible actually tells us it's backwards Mm. maybe it's that but maybe it's the other way as well mm. yeah yeah that's what we're thinking about <laughs> very good very thought-provoking um i hope for those of you who've been listening that you've um yeah had had some um i guess insight and inspiration to um yeah where, where your where your community's at as well and um grant how can people get in touch with you if they want to just before oh, we well, go. Um, I've got a website. There's there's grantnorsworthy.com, but also awesome. there's more than musicmentor.com. Cool. We can check and, those links in as well. Yeah, I'm very very available to come to anywhere in the world, I'd like to say. But uh, <laughs> yeah, mainly New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, I, I love to come and just uh yeah, lead people to to sing as an expression of worship, but I also I also mm. preach and teach. But doing these more than music workshops is, is where I think I can help the most. And no church is too small, too large. No church is too Pentecostal or too traditional. <laughs> or 
liturgical, whatever you say. I love, I love swimming all over the map of the yeah. wonderful diversity of the Christian church and encouraging yeah. you wherever you're at, yeah, you are at and trying to help you. So yeah, contact me through the website, please. Or you can find me on Facebook or whatever as well. But Yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Grant, and your passion and bless you and all your endeavors. And um, thank you everyone for tuning in and yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks, thanks everyone. Bye.